Please turn with me to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, we are going to read a short passage from verse 22 to 25. Of Luke chapter 8, verse 22 to 25. If you're joining us here for the first time, I don't see anyone. Anyone here for the first time? Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Here at Southside Bible Fellowship, we believe that since the Bible is God's word, and that all of us that believe in Jesus are God's children, can we say together, the Bible is God's word for us. Father, we come before you this morning acknowledging your presence Believing that, Lord, you have a message for us and that, Lord, there is something you want to accomplish today. We pray that you may give us ears to hear and the heart that desires to obey you and that through it all, you may be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 8, verse 22 to 25. One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. Jesus, after a long day, of teaching and preaching, he turns to his disciples and he tells them, let us go to the other side of the lake. There was something that Jesus was going to do on the other side of the lake. There was a ministry that was waiting for him. And he wanted his disciples to experience it too. So he tells his disciples, let us go to the other side of the lake. And together with his disciples, they got into a boat and began to sail. Probably the disciples are sharing stories about the events of the day. Or maybe they are singing a hymn. You know, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> While at this time, Jesus, we are told, as they sailed, he fell asleep. He went or he goes into a stern, he reclines on a cushion, and he falls asleep. Maybe because he's tired or because he's just giving them an opportunity to see him asleep. And maybe his sleep is intentional. So as the disciples enjoy the scenery, suddenly they encounter 
a storm. A squall came down, a hurricane on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. Waves are pounding on their boat. They tried their best and they realized they realized that they are in great danger. All this time, Jesus is still asleep. The disciples went and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are going to drown. So the storm didn't wake him up. The waves that were pounding on the boat, the water that was getting into the boat didn't wake Jesus up. It is the disciples who did. And they wake him up with a message, we are going to drown. In the other Gospels, it says, Lord, don't you care that we are about to drown? So they are telling Jesus that we are going to drown, not just us, but you too. That's what they are saying. Now, you read the prophets and you will realize that nowhere does it say that Jesus would die in a storm. And Jesus knows this. He knows that he was going to die on the cross, not in a storm. But the disciples facing this storm, all they can see is death, despair, hopelessness. They think Jesus, together with them, are going to drown. And so Jesus wakes up. He got up. I think before he rebuked the, the storm, he looked at the disciples and he's probably asking himself, what's wrong with you guys? You've seen me teach You've seen me do miracles. I have told you all these things. And you think you're going to drown? Don't you remember that I told you, let us go to the other side. When they began to sail, they had the other side in mind. But now that they are facing a storm, they have forgotten about it. They are now looking at everything from the perspective of the storm. At this moment, the disciples have more faith in the storm than they have in Jesus. That's why they are confessing that we are going to drown. 
It's the kind of faith that is influenced by fear. And so Jesus wakes up. He rebukes the wind and the raging waters. And the storm subsides. And then all was calm. Then he turns to the disciples and he asks them, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Now, when, when Jesus asks that question, he really doesn't expect an answer from them. It's the kind of question that makes you think about yourself, about your own faith and the things that you hold on to. It's the kind of question that uh, really gets into your nerves because the disciples' faith was not in Jesus at this point. It was on the webs. What was happening was influencing their behavior, their attitudes, and their response. They are not turning to Jesus because they believe that he can calm the storm. They are turning to Jesus because they believe that they are going to drown. Where is your faith? Is your faith in what you are going through? Or is it in the one who is able to control everything that happens in your life? Where is your faith? Is it in your bank account? Or is it in Christ? You know, I wish I could tell you that because you are a Christian, because you believe in Jesus, you will never suffer. That you will never get sick. That everything you touch will turn into gold. Yours is going to be a life of prosperity and peace and joy. You are going to be on top of your life. You will never get old. I wish I could tell you that. But I'll be lying to you. I'll be lying to you because without suffering, we will never be like Jesus Christ. Without suffering, most of us would be self-centered and proud. Without facing difficulties in life, most of us will not turn to God. Suffering is part of this life. Those people that uh, 
preach the gospel of prosperity, health and wealth gospel should read this passage. And you know, suffering has a way of getting our attention. The storms that we face, they get our attention because they twist life out of shape. And when that happens, we are tempted to panic and lose hope. Christians do panic and do lose hope. We are tempted to think that God has left us alone. The disciples are feeling the same thing in the boat here. How can we be drowning while Jesus is sleeping? And probably Jesus is saying, how can you be drowning while I'm here? How are you going to to drown in my presence? When storms happen, we are tempted to imagine the worst. Usually when you focus on a problem, the problem begins to control you. And when it begins to control you, your vision is impaired. You begin to imagine the worst. And that is happening to the disciples. And some of us are probably facing some storms right now. And you're wondering whether you're going to make it through to the other side. Most of the storms that we face include relationship conflicts. A terrible illness. A wayward, wayward child. or grandchild, stress in your job, loneliness, addictions. All these things happen to our lives and they they can make us feel as if God has left us alone. They tempt us to to lose hope. I don't know what storms you're facing in your life, 
regardless of where you are in your spiritual life. I think the big question is, how do we respond as people of faith when storms come our way? See, after the disciples, when they wake Jesus up and when Jesus calms the storm, you look at their response here. It's fantastic. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Who is this? It's like their understanding of Jesus has reached a new high. This is the same person they were with on the other side of the lake. He's the same person they saw feed thousands of people, heal the sick, raise the dead. But yet they are asking, who is this? Even the wind and maybe if you were there with them, you would have reminded them that this is Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Lord of the storms. All storms of life submit to him because he is in control of every wave. Who is this? Who is this Jesus that you are talking about? You know, times you share the gospel with people and, and they ask you, who, who is this Jesus? And, and what will be your response? You should be able to tell them what Jesus means to you. You should be able to Identify with Jesus. He is my savior. He is the one who forgives sins. He's the one who saves. He's the one who died on the cross. He's the one that has been patient with you, giving you opportunities to repent so that he can receive you and save you. This is the Jesus that we proclaim to you. Who is this? I think Luke includes that so that we can answer it ourselves. So that we can reflect on who Christ is to us. So how do we respond when storms come our way. Thank you for asking. When storms come our way, we respond by trusting in Jesus to lead us through. We respond by trusting in Jesus to lead us through. Remember Jesus had said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. 
That's what they needed to rest their confidence on. We know we are facing a storm, but we know where he is leading us. They needed to have faith in him. If he has said we are going to the other side, we will get there. But it happens to us too when we, uh, we have this vision that God has given us. We are trusting God for something and we, we get into it with all the confidence. We are trusting God to help us overcome addiction or issues in our lives and we, get, we start with confidence and then we fail somewhere and we lose hope. We begin to despair. We forget that he who begins, he who has begun a good work in you, he will bring it to completion. We forget his promises. We forget that we are not facing the difficulties that we are facing alone. Because if you are a Christian, you don't face your difficulties alone. You face them with Jesus. In every storm, he is there with you. In every storm, he is there with you. And therefore, you can trust him to lead you through. I think this encounter is here as a testimony for us of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I think Luke decided to record this so that we may comfort ourselves with the same comfort that we can comfort others with. So that we can look at the disciples and see the struggles they faced, how Jesus intervened and find our comfort in trusting Christ. And then when we turn around and we see a brother or a sister who is struggling, we have a reason to encourage them with the same encouragement. I believe it is recorded to remind us not to rely on ourselves. We can trust in Jesus and rely on him. Now, the challenge for most of us is that when we encounter a storm, we want to deal with it in our own way. Right? We say that Jesus is fast in our life, but is usually last on the list. Because, like the disciples, we turn to him when everything else fades.
when I was in Kenya last time, I slept in a, a Christian guest house. It's an Anglican guest house. And I remember asking for the password for the Wi-Fi that evening when I arrived. And this guy told me the password is Jesus only. And I asked him, what? He said, Jesus only. And I said, oh, that's, that's a good password. I can't forget that. And he said, in capital letters, Jesus only. So I went to my room that evening. I took my laptop and I entered the password and it wasn't working. I tried again and again and again and it never worked. And so the next morning I was furious. I went to this guy and I told him, you told me that the password was Jesus only, but it's not working. And he said, oh, we haven't changed the password. He asked the, the other guy, did we change the password? He said, no, we haven't. It's still Jesus. <laughs> I said, what? I, said, I told you the password was Jesus only. <laughs> I was like, You said Jesus only, right? He said, yeah, that's what I said. I said, that's what I did. I put Jesus only. And then we argued back and forth, and I showed him. So I wrote down Jesus only. And he said, oh, no, you messed it up. <laughs> and then he said, don't add anything to Jesus. It's just Jesus. Only. <laughs> I said, okay. So I wrote Jesus. Only. And it worked. You know, Jesus is not our last hope. He is our only hope. And that's what we need to realize as Christians. He's not the last person we turn to. He is the only person we turn to. And then we allow him to influence us to do everything else. That's why he doesn't have to be on the list. He is the list. Jesus only. There's a pause there first. But most Christians, most of us, even though we claim that Jesus is first, he's actually last. He's the last one we think of. And usually after we have tried every other way. Can you imagine immediately when the disciples experienced the storm if they had turned to Jesus? Of course we would have missed this lesson. 
But it would have been a great experience for them as well because he would have responded. I think it's recorded for us. It's for our benefit. So that we don't start relying ourselves, but we rely on Jesus. And that is my encouragement to you. If you believe in Jesus, then trust him to lead you through. And I have said here before that the other side could be us going home to be with the Lord. And that's okay. He may at times deliver us from what we are going through. At times he may give us the strength and the wisdom and the peace that we need to persevere, to endure the pain. But there are times he looks at us and he says, come home, my good and faithful servant. And that's okay. It should be okay with us. I think sometimes God allows some suffering as a vehicle to bring us home because he just wants us to experience that suffering for the last time because we are going to enjoy the joy with him forever. And as Christians, we should understand that. We should trust him to lead us through. And when you look at it that way, you will realize that the storms we face are part of the process of our spiritual experience. And when you see them as a, a process of our spiritual experience, Two things will be clear to you. Let me give you these two points and I will be done here. One, they will help us realize the storms we face will help us realize our need for God's sufficient grace. Apostle Paul wouldn't have realized his need for God's sufficient grace if it were not for the thorn in his flesh. Some of us have been in need. And because we have experienced God's provision... Today we can confess and say, the Lord is my provider. You may never confess that if you have never been in need. Most of us today, we can confess that Jesus is my savior because we know that there is a time in our lives that we were lost in sin. And because we have experienced his forgiveness, we can say today that he is 
our savior. Storms help us realize our need for God's sufficient grace. Here is number two. They give us opportunities to experience God's power and enjoy his peace. We talk about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. You will never enjoy that peace unless you know what it means to be without that peace. The disciples looked at Jesus and they said, who is this? Because they saw what happened. They wouldn't have known Jesus much better in that experience if it were not for the storm. The storm gave them an opportunity to experience his power and to share in his peace, in his joy. And when you look at that, when you look at life from that perspective, you will realize that every storm that comes in your life, every difficulty that you face is in sequence to what God wants you to become. That God is using it to shape you into the person that he wants you to become. Every storm you face is not wasted by God. He uses it for his glory and for our goodness. And therefore, we can trust him to lead us through. I want to encourage you. When you find yourself facing any kind of of difficulty in your life. Any kind. Turn your attention to the Lord fast. Fast. Turn your attention to the Lord. Let him give you the wisdom to take the next step. Let him give you the peace that you need to take the next step. Let him encourage you to move on. And you know, you can't be at peace even knowing that your life is coming to an end when you turn your attention to the Lord first. I tell my wife, I really am okay if God decides to take me, I'm okay. I'm not asking him to. But I'm okay. If he tells me today, Valerian, tomorrow is your last day, I'm fine with it. I'm not going to start praying for him to change his mind, to give me more time. I'm fine with it. As long as he allows me to live, I am fine with it. 
when the time comes and he knocks on my door and he says, come home, I will be fine with it. That doesn't mean I may not experience pain, but I'll be looking forward for the joy that he has prepared me for and that he has prepared for me. We look at life that way as Christians, and you know you'll find yourself saying, thank you, God, for every pain that I have experienced. Thank you for every sorrow. Thank you for every difficulty, because it is through those experiences that I have come to enjoy your presence and your peace, that I have learned to rely on you and to trust on you and to turn to you and to realize that my life here is on your hands. Thank you, God. And you, my friend, will enjoy the joy of the Lord. Now, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are truly drowning. You are drowning in sin, and with time, you will die in sin. But you still have an opportunity to turn to Jesus. You have it right now to turn to Jesus, and he will forgive you and receive you, and you will begin a new life. And probably... Like the disciples, you'll ask, who is this? And he will begin to reveal himself to you. If Jesus is not yet your savior, you need to turn to him. Or else, you will drown in your sins. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, for your promises. I thank you for every family that is represented here. I thank you for every person that is here this morning and the ones that are joining us online. And I'm praying that your Holy Spirit may continue to minister to us to make your word more active in our lives. I pray that, Father, for that one person who is here, who is yet to believe in you, who has not yet turned to you, that, Lord, you may minister to him or to her, that you may open his eyes and cause him to turn to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.